Now that we are several days into Lent, we hopefully are also each several days into whatever Lenten practices we've decided to take on. I find it beautifully ironic that those who created our lectionary have chosen this particular gospel lesson for the first Sunday of Lent. Depending on what we decided to give up for Lent, we may already be feeling temptation ourselves. If so, or even if those temptations have not set in yet, today's gospel is a wonderful reminder that Jesus also underwent temptation, and he overcame it. The story of Jesus' temptation is rich in symbolism and meaning, far more rich than can be covered in a single sermon this morning. But I recently read a book called The Active Life by Parker Palmer, and one of the chapters within this book looks closely at the story of Jesus' temptation. Palmer's chapter opened my eyes to some new angles from which to approach this story. And so I'd like to share just a couple of those with you today. First, we'll look at the fact that we are told that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And second, that the devil, who was doing the tempting, didn't even have the power to give Jesus the things that he was promising. We're told very clearly that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Mark's version of this story says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, which I find even more compelling. Either way, Jesus didn't accidentally wander out there on his own. When I was in the Holy Land last September, we spent some time in the desert, and it was one of the most beautiful and most stark places I've ever been. To be in the desert for an extended period of time holds many dangers. Given this, the opening of our passage is far from accidental. It is setting the stage in sharp language. In two sentences, we have a setup that should immediately elicit concern by all who hear it. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the desert, where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, which is a biblical way of saying a really long time. And he is there explicitly to be tempted by the devil. But why would this dangerous setup specifically claim to be spirit-led? It's not normally how we think about temptation. We don't believe that God presents us with temptations simply for the fun of it to see whether we're strong enough to overcome them. That portrayal of God is one that is mean and spiteful, daring people to mess up in some way. This admittedly has been one understanding of God in some circles, but most of us today don't think of God in this way. So here it's important to point out that although the Spirit leads Jesus into the desert, God is not the one doing the tempting. It's the devil. Some of us, myself included, may have trouble with the personification of the devil as a character, but we can all admit that evil exists in the world and that we face temptation in our everyday lives. Jesus, being human, was no exception to this. Perhaps the lesson here is that God is present with us at all times and in all places, 
And if God is with us as we face our temptations, then God is also with us as we resist them. And most of us who have resisted temptations can assert that ultimately we we grow stronger for having faced our own temptations and resisted them. The second point of Palmer's that I would like to highlight is that although the devil is tempting Jesus, the devil doesn't actually possess the authority to grant anything that he is offering. The devil tempts Jesus to prove his identity as the Son of God, both by turning stones into bread and by throwing himself down from the temple and trusting that angels will catch him. The devil doesn't have the power to define whether Jesus is the Son of God. Only God can do that. Even if the devil renounced Jesus as the Son of God, it would be meaningless. The devil simply does not have this power. Jesus reminds him of this by quoting scripture back to the devil, not only contrasting the devil's word with God's, but also making it very clear which one of those two words Jesus chooses to believe. Jesus knows who he is and is fully confident in his identity as God's son. He doesn't need to prove that to anyone. Finally, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with ultimate power. He claims that he will give Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth if Jesus will just worship him. This is preposterous, and they both know it. The devil doesn't possess the kingdoms of the earth and thus has no power to give them over, regardless of the cost. The devil also is not worthy of worship, and Jesus knows this very well. While in the previous temptations Jesus answers by quoting scripture, here we find for the first time Jesus outright rebuking the devil before quoting the scripture. Away with you, Satan! For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I've always imagined that Jesus' utter exhaustion, both physically and spiritually, contributed to his previous brush-offs of the devil in tones that read as firm but dismissive. But not anymore. Things have gone too far with this temptation. It's one thing for the devil to call into question Jesus' own identity. It was another thing for him to ask Jesus to worship him. We all face temptation in our lives. Some very minor, like whether we should eat that ice cream. And some major, like whether we should take a drink after years of sobriety or have an affair while our marriage is struggling. I hope and pray that this story of Jesus' temptations can bring you some comfort. His temptations were different than yours, of course. But that he was tempted shows us his humanity and allows him to relate to whatever it is that we may be going through. May we each be strong in our own temptations. And may we follow Jesus' example to lean on God and the scriptures when we face them. Amen.